Hello, and welcome to Just Needs, a podcast where we talk about parenting children with disabilities. I'm your host, Christina Kozik. I, too, am a parent of a child with a disability, and let me just say, I'm so glad you're here. On this podcast, I'll talk about everything from receiving a new diagnosis to transitioning your older child out of school and beyond. I'll even explain what things like IEP, IDEA, and SSDI mean. Now, this podcast is a project of Exceptional Lives, a nonprofit organization that supports families like yours. You can learn more about Exceptional Lives at our website, www.exceptionallives.org. Now, grab a seat and listen along. In this week's episode, I'm going to focus on occupational therapy for young children with disabilities. I want to briefly explain what occupational therapy, also called OT, is and why your child may benefit from it. You may hear occupational and think, what does that have to do with children? Well, by definition, the word occupation means an activity in which one engages. So everything we do every day is an occupation of sorts. Writing a to-do list with a pen, using scissors to cut paper for crafts with our kids, even brushing our teeth or feeding ourselves. These are all occupations. Can you see my air quotes? (laughs) And for kids, they learn through play, which means that playing is literally their occupation. When a child has a disability, a developmental delay, or a variety of other conditions, they may struggle to learn tasks and skills required for daily independent living. Through OT, a child can develop their fine motor skills, their language skills, cognition, sensory skills, and so much more. For example, a child that does not have enough core strength and wiggles a lot may benefit from OT because a therapist will work on strengthening his core muscles, causing them to be able to sit up more comfortably. Or in my son's case, he was a young child that struggled with sensory processing issues. He was about three years old when he started OT, and he needed to learn what his body felt like when his senses were overwhelmed and how to regulate or regain control of his senses in his body. I want to pause right here to say, if what I just said is something new to you or even a little confusing, it's all good. I did an episode on sensory processing last week, and if you haven't listened, go check it out, and what I just said about senses and self-regulation will make more sense. I'd also like to say that there's lots of reasons that OT may be a good fit for your child. The first step, though, is talking with your child's pediatrician or an early interventionist or an occupational therapist and bring up any concerns that you may have. You can search for occupational therapists in Louisiana and Massachusetts in the resource directory on our website, and that's www.exceptionallives.org. And if you're not in either one of those states, you can go to www.sensorysmarts.com for resources to find an occupational therapist near you. I'll have those websites listed in the show notes. Now, last summer, Exceptional Lives had the opportunity to work with some experts in the early childhood arena. In particular, we worked with two experts from the McCain's Children Developmental Center in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They answered some common questions that they've heard over the years, and I want to share those with you. First up is Kim Haynes. Kim is a speech pathologist who is the clinical and operations director at McMain's Children's Developmental Center. She has worked with children with articulation, language, and auditory processing disorders, as well as other communication disorders and delays. Now, one question that Kim has heard repeatedly over the years is, I thought occupational therapy was about workplace skills. Why does my child need OT if they don't work? And here's what she had to say. Well, a child's job is to play. 
So if they're having trouble reaching for toys or even holding on to toys, stacking blocks, or pressing buttons on musical toys, then they might need help from an occupational therapist. A child's job is to become more independent, and that includes feeding themselves and dressing themselves. So if your child is having problems picking up small bits of food with their fingers, holding on to a spoon or fork, pulling on their clothes like their shirt or their pants or their socks, using zippers, or even tying their shoes, they may need the help of an occupational therapist. A child's job is to go to school and learn. And so if they're having problems holding their pencil, writing clearly, or even copying things from the board, then they might need the help of an occupational therapist. If your child is having um, problems or you have any concerns about any of these items, um, please contact an occupational therapist and they can do an evaluation and help you out. I remember having a very similar question when my son was referred for OT. His therapist explained it similarly, and it really put things into perspective for me. I'm glad that we did OT because it gave him the opportunity to learn skills that I couldn't teach him. Our therapist was able to provide me with tools, tips, and tricks to help him at home. We still use those now, even though he's no longer in OT. That leads me to our next expert. Anne Heindricks. Anne has been at the McMaines Children's Developmental Center for over 30 years. She is currently the executive director, and she has always been an advocate for helping children become as independent as possible. Now, a question Anne has heard time and time again is, will my young child with disabilities or delays need to do therapy forever? And honestly, it's such a great question. I know I asked this very question when my son first started therapy over four years ago. And in case you didn't catch my spoiler already, He's not in therapy anymore, but this is what Anne had to say about it. Your child's therapy goals are based on their evaluation that is a snapshot in time of your child's functioning. Therapy goals are then based on your child's progress and may be changed over time, and so they'll continue in therapy, which sometimes feels like forever, but it's not. Nothing lasts forever. So as your child progresses through therapy, then you may continue to keep up with that. But you also could do something called episodic therapy, which is basically your child has therapy, achieves those goals, and then stops therapy for a bit, and then may go back into therapy after that. When your child is discharged, it simply means that your child has either met their goals, that your child has plateaued and has stopped on working on therapy, or that you might have had to take a break as the caregiver uh, yourself or your child. When obviously when your child meets goals, that's very exciting, but it also means that as your child hits a milestone or has a growth spurt, they may go back for therapy, which again is just part of it. The plateauing part is simply that it's a moment in time that at that time your child has reached their potential for that time, but it doesn't mean forever. And they also may go back when they hit that milestone or as time passes and be reassessed and come back into therapy. And then lastly, that you as the caregiver and even for your child, it's okay to take a break if you need to do that. If your child's had post-surgery, if you need to be able to really focus on a work project and you just can't get to therapy right then and there, then it's all right to stop therapy if you have to. But I do encourage that if you do that, to make sure you go back after or talk to your therapist and continue to kind of keep an eye on your child, as of course you'll do as a parent anyway. 
keep an eye on your child and see when you need to return and set that back up. Therapy is meant to help and is a great part of services, but again, it doesn't have to be forever. One of the things that Anne said that my son and I experienced was taking a break. There were a few times throughout therapy when he simply plateaued and we opted to take a break and try again after a short period of time. That seemed to help him and I'm happy when we did that. During those breaks, we continue to work on things at home and keep in touch with his therapist. Now, it's been at least three years since my son finished OT, and some things that I've noticed that he does now that he didn't do before is things like stopping and taking deep breaths when he starts to feel overwhelmed or asking for tight bear hugs when he knows he needs them. I personally no longer try to stop my son when he's spinning around and around and around. Well, as long as he's not going to crash into something. Um, But we both learned how to help him self-regulate and OT was just a great help for my son. And I'm so glad that we pursued that option at that time for him. As always, thank you for being here this week. I'm so glad I was able to share some of my son's therapy journey with you. And I'm also grateful for Ann and Kim and their expertise. I hope you found their answers and insight helpful. And before I forget, I will have a link to the full video replay of Ann and Kim's webinar in the show notes, as well as some other resources regarding therapies. This podcast was written and presented by me, Christina Kozik, for Exceptional Lives with special guests, Ann Heindricks and Kim Haynes. You can subscribe and follow the podcast at our website, www.exceptionallives.org forward slash just needs podcast. Our website also has blogs, guides, upcoming events, and a resource directory for Massachusetts and Louisiana. We'd love for you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Exceptional Lives. And if you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening.